right, what's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 305. Uh, my name is Steve, and I'm here as always with my co-host, and they are... I'm Ron. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm so low, man. It's, I just had to place the camera in a weird place. I look like, uh, yeah. like a talking head. Like a head. Yeah, just a head. Yeah. But a good-looking head. Thanks, man. You're welcome. It must be the lighting. And and you're a talk you're a talking head named Ron, um, and I'm a talking head and shoulders uh, named John, and 305 is an area code, fellas. Do you know what 305 is the area code for? I would say this is a famous county, Wayne Madison county. county. <laughs> um. uh, no, if if you were following the news around the 2000 election, this is a famous county. I don't know. I think this this county is famous oh, for the hanging Florida. chads. Yeah, I believe yeah, it was Florida. Miami Dade oh, County, okay. wasn't it? Yeah. Or as they All right, wait, as they call it so Miami. in basketball, Wade County because of Dwayne Wade. Mm. Yeah, champion. Well, so so three hundred five. This is our Miami episode. Miami, my, Miami's probably. We didn't do anything to prepare. Talk about too, <laughs> which I don't think John saw, but. Uh, oh, absolutely! Let's do it. Yeah, but yeah, today's going to be a. a is it a movie uh, about family? No, the other one. <laughs> a movie about the future. The other F word. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is going to be a catch-up episode. Like, we took last week off. Um, John was traveling. Ron and I just kind of living busy lives and just taking a breath. Um, but we're going to just kind of get together, talk about a bunch of stuff today. The feature, the big episode, I mean, the big feature for the episode is going to probably be the uh, the new Amazon Prime exclusive uh, movie coming out today um the tomorrow war starring chris pratt but we did see a lot of stuff <clears throat> in the past two weeks including uh some uh, discussion on the coverage that we were able to do for the tribeca film festival um so where do you guys where do you guys think we should start with this episode i mean there's a lot to go through but um what's your what's your feeling on a good starting point maybe tribeca then because there's so many <clears throat> movies so many things okay. is that does that work for you guys sounds amazing yeah. Okay. So Tribeca this year had an in-person and some sort of virtual element to the festival, much like Sundance, Southwest did, South by Southwest. And I mean, it seems like a lot of the festivals are going to do some version of this going forward. Yes. Um, and, and I think it's, we talked about it when we did the Sundance when it was like, this seems like a really great decision, even yeah. beyond, you know, a pandemic state or anything like that, because it's just a way to really get people involved that can't physically be there or are nowhere near where you know these festivals are being held and for us the fact that we've been able to participate in three different festivals this year that we would have never been participating in otherwise it's just like wow this is great um so yeah they were kind enough to kind of give us access to some of the titles through their their um tribeca at home portion of the festival which is like a mix of you know movies that were made available through the digital library once they had their premiere um at the actual festival for those that were in attendance. So we probably collectively saw a lot of movies. I don't know if we all saw a single movie, all saw the same movie. Um, but I guess you want to kind of go around and mention some ones that we've seen, just to kind of give some acknowledgement and some attention to some of these ones. Yeah, sure. Man. Why don't you start it off, Ron? Why don't you tell us? Okay. So, so maybe I should just, I'll, I'll list some standout ones to me. So uh, okay. there were two shorts that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, one was Waves, um, which was a short directive by Agazi Desta. Um, it's about a kid that needs a haircut 
and he wants waves and he has like a big afro it's really short and kind of amazing and he's deaf so mm. he you know in order for him to get his hair cut he has to take his uh aid off of his hair so yeah. it's it's just really really well done. Really, it, it kind of warms your heart. You might tear up a little bit. That was pretty cool. And the second short that is really a standout to me was Zach Woods, who's who's done Veep and Avenue Five and uh, lots of other stuff. Great comedic actor. He did a short called David, which stars Will Ferrell and William Jackson Harper. Uh, you probably see William Jackson Harper in a ton of stuff. Uh, he did that show about death. Good place. Uh, yeah, good place. Really funny in that. But this was about uh, a man that <clears throat> was seeking therapy. Will Ferrell is his uh, therapist. And then his son kind of bursts into the session because he has a <laughs> he has a wrestling uh, match. And he's kind of rushing. <laughs> he's rushing his man and talking about killing himself to stop talking to his dad so that he can go to the wrestling match. It is comedically on point. I I don't know. Like, I just kind of Googled Tribeca stuff to look out for. And that's that, that came up and I watched it. I watched it twice actually. And that's pretty cool. Um, I watched a ton of features, but let me just name three that kind of stood out to me. Cause I, there were a ton, but uh, Stockholm syndrome, was a documentary about ASAP Rocky, the um, rapper that got arrested overseas for a weird altercation that happened in Stockholm where a fan essentially attacks him and he responds by punching the, the guy. And he goes, to, he stays in jail for like six months straight in Stockholm. It's, it's like torturous. There's a man slinging shit next to him. Uh, it, it is a really heartfelt thing. And it, the irony of it is when he was right before he left the Stockholm, he had made all these like off color Black Lives Matter sort of things. Like, I can't I'm a black man and can't relate to Black Lives Matter. So when he left, he had this idea that he was invincible and not among regular black people. And then he was treated like a common criminal when he got to Stockholm. It's beautiful. Um, this guy's actually dating Rihanna, if that's like a thing, but like. There's a lot of prominent stars in it. Kanye West, uh, Rihanna, Naomi Campbell. Um, it's it's a really well done documentary. Um, Mark Marion and some other people. Uh, it's a, a short, I mean, I'm sorry, a full length film about a couple that gets married that decides to open up their relationship. Not really um, familiar with any of the actors, but it's a really funny um movie it stars Haley law and ben rosenfield i fucking love that movie it's it's really funny and really kind of gives you this feeling about dating and how how relationships should be treated um the last one that i wanted to highlight i mean you know if we do a round robin i've I've mentioned some more but see from me which was a really cool action film by randall akita uh, and it's about a blind a blind woman that's house sitting, and the house gets robbed, and her her um, aide that she calls like for for helping her see there's like a phone app that she uses kind of an assistant to guide her through things, and that that aide happens to be really good at first person shooters, 
and she walks <laughs> her through defending herself in the That's house. Funny. It's That's fucking funny. cool, man. It's like a it's it's a thriller with some comedy elements, but mostly thriller. Um, what is that one called? See for me. See for me. Okay. Yeah. So that was that was the three. But I, you know, if you we come back around, I'll name some other ones. But those are the three that stood out to me. What about you? Oh, and in the great the uh, Dick Gregory documentary. The one and only Dick Gregory coming out on Showtime in like a month. Fucking incredible. All right. Yeah. That's it. What about you, John? Um, you know, I I maybe you should go because okay. I saw probably the least of any of us. I was getting ready for a trip and then on a trip, and so I only saw a couple things. But I mm. want to say one of them was C for me, and I would say, yeah, is inventive and and yeah, I mean, I always gravitate towards some genre right. thing on the schedule like that, and uh, and I like when festivals they seem to program them still. It's almost like it went through a phase where a lot of it was happening, and now I feel like at least one one or two of the movies in a in a festival slate is going to be sort of a not like a midnight movie necessarily, but it's going to have yeah. strong genre elements to it at least. And this is the kind of inventive movie that you expect to see at a film festival. Um, so yeah, no, I thought it was was clever. And I would like to see what happens when that movie gets more widely released. It feels like one of those that people, people lose might, their shit, man. If, talk it, about. if it winds up on a major, you know, like a streaming service, Hulu or Netflix, man, people are going to talk about yeah. that movie. It's cool. Uh, yeah, so I'll mention a couple. I also saw David the short that Ronald mentioned, the uh, uh, directed by Zach Woods. Yeah, some most people probably know him from either Veep or probably Silicon Valley. Um, mm. He was uh, on that as well. But yeah, I I I'd heard about that. Like I think it maybe even played at Sundance or one of the other ones that we were able to go to. But I didn't get to see it then, but I was happy to finally see it. Yeah, it's it's great. It's um, Fred Hessinger, the the kid who plays his or the guy who plays his son David, um, who's in the short, is also coming up. He was in the Woman in the Window recently, which was a horrible movie, but um, <laughs> he's also he's also in at least I think two of the entries in the Fear Street trilogy, the movie oh. series that Netflix is dropping over the next three weeks, which I'm excited to to see and to talk about on the podcast eventually. But I'm so excited um, about that. I, man. I, I I thought he was great in the short. I mean, I thought he was like just a ball of fire, you know, yeah. like. You know, He's it's kind of like the, the the dynamic of the of the whole short is really, really impressive. And not even beyond just the comedy and the drama, but just like the tone of the session yeah. with the therapist and the patient. And then when the sun comes in, it literally is like it's like yeah, kerosene on a fire. I don't know. It, it's really it's really good. Um, yeah. But I thought that was great. The other short that I saw um, was called Last Meal, which was okay. a short short form doc about basically talking about it was an investigation basically into capital punishment and the idea of mm. honoring a last meal. And it kind of goes through what some of the infamous last meals of some of the more known criminals in history um, and kind of dissecting it down to a little bit into like red state, blue states and, you know, white, black, you know, male, female, like things like it, it, it's a, it's a short doc, but it, it did a pretty effective job at kind of at least, um, uh, kind of drawing a line to connect some of the ideas of, of, I mean, criticisms rather of capital punishment and um, what these meals mean or don't mean to those on death row. It's, it's really, it was really interesting. I mean, a lot to be said in it about like, right. you know, the complexities of what some people would request and, you know, kind of how it would talk to, 
like the intellectual level of some of the people that were about to be executed mm. and like how could they possibly be there i don't know it, it, it was i thought it was really interesting and mm. really um kind of uh the production of it's pretty impressive like it's just very shiny and like which is kind of disarming because just talking about something very kind of heavy but the way they the way they they shoot everything with recreating these meals uh on like a display of what all these people ask for oh, it's, wow. it's just it's kind of yeah. disarming a little bit but um so those were the two shorts that i saw um i wanted to mention uh the movie how it ends um Zoe Lister -Jones. oh man i love that movie i thought that was really good yeah it's really um, good and actually and the girl who's in it who plays uh well the girl that she's going around the movie with i guess i don't want to spoil yeah, anything. yeah. But um, she was recently the the was Aaron in um, Mayor of Easttown, the girl who was killed in the pilot she of was. Mayor of Easttown. But uh, it's basically that's just kind of like uh, kind of comedy drama. Uh, you know, there's this character just kind of wandering around before the world ends, trying to make this like last big party. And on the way there, she kind of crosses um, different characters from different parts of her life and uh, has some pretty interesting conversations with them. Um, but I thought that was really good. Um, also, I watched the documentary, The First Step, um, which was a doc about uh, Van Jones um, and basically just about his attempts to kind of work with both sides of the aisle and, and getting um, prison reform bill through um, back, I guess, in 2018 um, and, and still today, but basically just I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it's a little, it's like one of those docs. It's kind of weird because like there's an issue happening that they're talking about in the doc, but then it becomes a little bit more like about the personality in the doc, like about him. And I don't know that the balance was perfect there. You know, like I don't really know much about Van Jones. I mean, I, I definitely have seen him before on TV and I've watched a lot of his commentary, especially during the election cycles, but his attempts to, kind of start the conversation, you know, after heavily criticizing like the whole Trump administration, but then to cross the aisle and like work with Jared Kushner to like try to get this bill through and working with, you know, both, both, you know, the uh, sides of the divide in each party. It's just kind of, it's just one of those things where I watch and you're just like, God, politics is just horrible. You know, it's just like th this, this yeah. like, there's something lost entirely in these conversations when they're just like talking about human life and like people and they're just not people yeah. they're just like nouns in a sentence to them and yeah. they don't matter I don't know, it's just weird but i thought the documentary was interesting in, in the least because of this idea of like do you want to do you, do you want to try to build a bridge or do you want to have complete loyalty to one side or the other and refuse to like hear a conversation that is not something that mirrors what you say or do every day so at least in that sense i thought it was interesting that's kind of what he's trying to do in the documentary and kind of facing criticism from every which way you can think but um the other one uh i don't know another i'll also mention that uh we talked about this and i think you guys may have seen this too but the catch the fair one yes did you see that john by chance okay so um mm -hmm. i thought this one was great actually um this is one that i feel like <laughs> if yeah, I guess like Ronald said about the other title, he was mentioning like, I think on the right service, if it finds some sort of the proper distribution, I don't know. But like, I think that the director, um, 
the what is it joseph what what Ladika, i think is his last name um he did some episodes of narcos and the terror the tnt series um it's just a really well shot it's a gorgeous little revenge thriller um the lead actress who i think is an actual boxer in real life you were saying right yeah, she, like, she's a she's a boxer and native american like it's right. like pretty damn Amer uh uh unique yeah and and like, and, and queer like it's like uh, this right right <laughs> specific yeah, yeah. just a, it's just like a you know it's a pretty brutal um revenge thriller just about this you know boxer sister who basically inserts herself into this human trafficking ring to try to track down her missing sister and kind of slowly is kind of going levels up as she goes along trying to find what happened or where she is or who's responsible for it. And uh, again, I think the filmmaking in this is great. And I really, really um, hope that people see this and I'm looking forward to what, what this filmmaker does next for sure. Cause I, I, I recognize his name from Narcos and the terror when I saw it pop up on the screen, but um. Mm. We should try to it's, get her on the show. Yeah, I, I saw it was really this. good. Yeah, I, th I saw you send it, say that earlier. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you end up talking to her or for the other thing for your other pod? No, no. So, but oh, okay. I think we should reach. We should. Uh, the studio said something about. You know. Yeah, we should. We think, should. Yeah, that was. Yeah. That was. I thought that was great. Yeah. And like an amazing be, be like awesome. final ten minutes too. Like the the movie what? ends like yeah. kills it at the end. So yeah, yeah. It's great. So what about you, John? Come on, let's circle back. What did you, what did you watch besides the See For Me? Well, I mean, I, I mentioned that I saw uh, See For Me. And then the other thing that I saw that I wanted to kind of recommend and also say this is kind of in the line of um, if people enjoyed the orange years that we had the directors for that documentary on about the Nickelodeon, the kind of golden age of Nickelodeon, the the, the kids entertainment channel. I would say that this uh, film Clay Dream about Will Vinton, who's the guy who you know, maybe not the inventor of clay animation, but definitely claymation. When I was growing up, that was the thing associated with him. And it was the California oh, yeah. raisins from those commercials and <laughs> the Noid from those Domino's ads and other things. But at the time, it was kind of a parallel to, you know, other animation you would see. There were different people doing stop motion, but clay animation and specifically claymation was something that was very associated mm, wow. with Will Vinton. And and he, you know, tried different ways of kind of expanding what he was able to do and, you know, made a lot of money at different times. I don't know if you saw the, the yes. NFP show, the PJs. Um, that Will Vinton Studios show, was man. responsible for that animation. So, I mean, he continued trying to do things and, you know, up through the 90s was was attempting to get like a lot of series on the air and there was kind of a bubble that burst. And then when I think, I guess, my guess would be that when computer generated animation became the norm, uh, it was hard to get people excited about this kind of charming but sort of clunky, you know, form of animation at times. Very handmade, very homemade. Um, but what was cool about the doc was it really tracks his his rise and fall, and the the fall is really sort of due to his own kind of professional naivety and uh, like um, uh, uh, maybe a little bit of hubris. You know, there's a, there's a little bit of both of those things. He he was sort of at times seemingly wanting to inflate himself to be like the next Walt Disney, even though what he was trying to offer was such a narrow thing compared right. to what Disney would have. But I mean, he wanted to have a theme park. He wanted his name to be associated with the studio. Even his signature, his logo kind of resembled oh. the Walt Disney kind of W, his name Will Vinton. So he clearly had kind of a complex, but on another level, he was sort of a, a Jim Henson figure who was sort of like started in this kind of counterculture way and, and became mainstream doing this very 
personal form of art, you know, that for at least a time, not that people revere the California raisins, but they were everywhere. And, and, you know, other things that he did, like the Noid for the Domino's commercials, that was the kind of shit people put on t-shirts for a good solid five-year period there. So, I mean, he cracked that cultural consciousness, but never really became what maybe he could have become. And instead of the John Chris Felusi story with, like, Ren and Stimpy where you look behind the scenes and you go, oh, I see why this person was sort of toxic and what why they failed. With Will Vinton, it really is down to sort of, he's got like a good-natured kind of bravado that did not serve him well in some ways. And then, if you really know the story, his studio is the studio that uh, Phil Knight, uh, you know, funded and then kind of stole oh. from him. So Leica what? began as Will Vinton Studios. And I'm not going to say much more than that, but almost to say that like, it was like, oh yeah, I love Leica and I love everything they've done. And I love some Travis Knight as a director has made some of my favorite animation in recent years. But hearing the story of how they kind of came in and took over Will Vinton's operation, it's one of those things where as a businessman you go, well, he kind of he kind of set himself up for it. But if you look at it on a just a, uh, you know, the the optics or, or just the sort of emotional component of it, it makes it makes it taints like a, just yeah. a tiny bit, right. but, but not in such a way that, that, that makes you feel like, Oh, this, this doc is trying to vilify people. It actually is very much about Will Vinton sort of accepting the mistakes he made. Um, and I thought it was very touching and poignant in the end uh, of the, the doc. I mean, it really got me, uh, I didn't expect it to go emotionally where it goes in the last few minutes. And it, and it really, hmm. it really kind of packed a punch, but it was also just a well-made documentary. It reminded me of like the sparks doc and other things that have been out recently where it just takes the career of somebody and, and goes into it with enough insider information and enough like exclusive footage and enough like, Oh, I didn't know that, you know, type of stuff. Um, but it goes beyond the sort of, uh, puff piece or electronic press kit that you might expect a movie like this would be. So in that sense, I, I did, I did enjoy it as a movie and as just a subject that I was like, Oh yeah, I don't know enough about Will Vinton. Now, now I feel like I know, uh, why, why he got so big and why he kind of disappeared. (laughs) Clay Dream. I don't know okay. if I said the name of the movie. Clay Dream. Were they the ones that we that you wanted to mention, Steve? Well, I mean, it's on Hulu now. It came out last week on Hulu. But did you guys see False Positive at the festival? No, or have no, you I seen it since? I, I haven't seen it yet. Did so you that see was it? at the festival too. Yeah, I watched it um, through the Tribeca thing, but I wasn't I wasn't really a fan of the movie. I mean, I thought it started out interestingly, um, but just kind of goes off the rails like the last 30, 40 minutes of the movie. I think Alana Glazer is actually pretty good in it. Um, kind of interesting seeing her do something different, um, than Broad City. Uh, but I think she's probably the better, the better part of the movie. Um, like Justin Thoreau, Pierce Brosnan's in it, Gretchen Maul. He's got a really pretty, pretty awesome cast. Like when it gets to the, the turn or, you know, the actual what's going on in this movie, it's kind of a little, I think it's a little too obvious, but, and then, and from that point, I feel like it just kind of loses any kind of real narrative path and just kind of goes kind of wild in the last 30. But it's kind of those things like where I'm like, this was like a promoted as like a big A24 movie, and then it just kind of disappeared, and then it yeah. was like, oh, it's going yeah. on a Hulu next, like next week or something, you know? Like there really wasn't a lot around it, so it's like one of these things where you're just like, they're very aware of their movies, and when they have outlets like this now, they're like, you know, let's cut our losses and maybe sell it off, and you know, go go that route and not have to maybe tarnish the a24 record because i mean a lot of people don't know this is an a24 movie because they kind of got buried and like not buried but you know it kind of went the hulu route 
and didn't get the big like oh this is like elevated horror and you know a24 mm. uh right. but i don't know it's interesting more Ooh. like smell-evated horror um pu see that's what but I'm yeah I, I was actually really disappointed with it I, was, I thought the trailer was pretty cool and i liked most of the <laughs> cast but yeah uh, it wasn't it damn it wasn't it for me man i mean i'd be curious what you guys think of it but it, it, it looked it's, a little it's off. off it looked like a shutter made direct to something shutter movie or something yeah. Yeah. damn which is not to say that has to be bad but i do think there's something about when you say the a24 imprint does kind of carry with it sure. some level of prestige even if we sort of push back on that idea sometimes of prestige horror um i do think that uh uh there was something about it that didn't look oh yeah i just got to see that but when it was on hulu I, I i was tempted every day when i was kind of clicking past it to watch right. dave or hell's kitchen or uh rick and morty or i'm trying to think yeah. of the other things Amy, i've been Amy choosing Bang. over, yeah, watching over that. <laughs> damn i guess so Pin 15, I finally got, uh, Nikki finally got into Pin oh, wow. 15 and oh, we've nice. been kind of tearing through those. And uh, I, I keep wondering when we might half see the second the uh, half of season yeah. two. But have you seen, they both They both have been, yes. I don't yeah. know if they've had their they're babies pregnant. yet, but yeah. they both have been pregnant in that interval. So in my mind, it's like, okay, that might be, that might be part, that plus yeah. the COVID year might be a part, you know, might be behind a delay. But what I'm wondering is, does that mean that the, the kid actors are suddenly going to look like <laughs> grownups the next time we see um, them? I want to mention a couple more films since we're Laura Lee. Do it is a movie starring Pablo Shriver and uh, Jenna Malone. That's about a, a guy that does eleven years in jail. He gets out, and the love of his life was in high school, and he hasn't really, obviously, dated anybody since. So he comes back, sees her, um, and falls for her. But she has kids after that that aren't from him that that kind of happened around the time that he went for went left for jail and he kind of has to process the idea of like what if what if you were right about your instincts about a person being perfect for you but the life that they have now isn't what you thought was ideal essentially and he, he this man has to oh he did 15 years in jail so he has to power through this crazy and he he comes from a biker gang he was in a biker gang before he went to jail so pablo being amazing and jenna also being amazing it's, it's definitely worth checking out um two COVID films that i saw within volume one was kind of this assignment where they gave um directors this sort of license to use iphones and anything they had around them to film shorts so there's, I think there's six total. Volume one has um, a short written by Rosie Perez, starring Rosie Perez and a couple other people. Uh, the first one is Leap, which stars uh, Sanaa Lathan, that's uh, written by Margaret uh, Nagel. And then there's another one. Uh, well, that, that that's the there's one called Intersection that has Julianne Moore, Don Cheadle, and Talia Baslam. Uh, so uh, it's 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 incredible. It's really cool what people can do during COVID, and they made it work. And they, and they all really work really well for shorts done in people's homes primarily. Um, and the last one I want to talk about, well, is one called "All My Friends Hate Me," which is a dark comedy, kind of about the idea of like if you reunite with people you went to high school with, are the memories that you had in your head only in your head? Or do all your friends hate you? 
you know it's like this real fucked up play on like insecurities when you come into a situation with people who kind of have this very set idea of who you are you know it's 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 played kind of like this like thriller horror sort of comedy but it's it's um it's worth checking out it reminds me of that 30 rock episode where um Liz Lemon goes to her reunion and realizes that her, all of her memories of herself being like yeah. picked on and the outcast, Ooh. she was actually being an asshole to people. And everybody else was like afraid of her and thought she was a real snide, you know, know it all. But <laughs> yeah, in her yeah, mind, yeah. she was this outcast nerd. And so she keeps re seeing memories, but with the added element of like what she said to make people so mad at her or what she did to make people yeah. look at her so strangely, you know. But I always think about that anyway, just that idea of like, it's not so much like you yeah. that that's the case of everybody, but it's always important to remember like, wait a minute, we were all just trying to get through our day and <laughs> I probably came off pretty strange too. It's it's almost like it's it's that whole thing of um you know, if everybody you meet is an asshole, right, then right, right. maybe you're the problem kind yeah. of thing. So No, that, that that sounds really interesting. I remember looking into that one and it and I think really I even good, checked man. out a trailer. It's really that, good. Uh, and so, one more and I I promise one but thank more you, I promise Tribeca. I'll leave you alone oh, after this. Say, 7 days. Night. Starring um, Geraldine Vishvadine and uh, Karan Sony. It's about uh, two people that go on a uh, date that was prearranged. They had no say and COVID hits. So they have to kind of stay together for a couple of weeks. And you quickly find out that Geraldine's character is not as orthodox as she claims to be. So it's it's a cool comedy that really <laughs> talks about tradition and a newer generation that's kind of leaning towards a new version of tradition. So yeah, so that's it. Cool. But as I was saying, yeah, thank you, Tribeca. That that was awesome. Thank you for the access. We we love uh, we love this new model that might might we might get a few more festivals using this before everybody goes back to the in person model. But I hope they learned that this is a viable way to get people involved who have issues being there for you know health reasons or or geographical reasons or financial whatever. Yeah. This is a great uh, these virtual festivals is uh, you know it's it's if it's sort of something that comes out of this year. I guess it's one of my favorite. Uh, uh, aspects uh, of the last year that that might you know again I think it makes accessibility uh, much more of a real thing. You're damn so. cool, man. All right, let's uh, move on to. We'll do a couple of these quickly because we we do want to talk more about I guess the Tomorrow War, but yes, in in the in the time away that we've had from the podcast, uh, I think what did, <laughs> I was the only one that saw fast. I don't even know fast fast saga fast nine. Yeah, yeah, F nine. F9, Fast 9. Mm -hmm. I mean, and just to say, like, you know, it, it is exactly what these movies are. There's nothing that I'm going to say to add anything to it. But, I mean, you know, it, it's 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 entertaining. You know, okay. like, it's if, if you're in on the series, which I absolutely am, it's entertaining. It's fun. You know, it's funny at times. It's got some awesome action set pieces. You know, Justin Lin coming back uh, to the series, I think, is a good thing. Um, he's done some of the the better fast movies in the series. Um, I think he did three, four, five, six, and this one maybe. He's done mm -hmm. a bunch of them, but um, I don't know. It's yeah. just you know these movies are just kind of getting more and more about. The, I mean, the, again, this is not news, but just it's on display, full full tilt. Like <laughs> the spectacle, the craziness, 
you know, the character pieces that maybe you may have liked from certain ones, which I definitely did uh, in the series are kind of all just buried. And I mean, everything just kind of feels uh, very simple, you know, get everybody involved as much as possible, pull everyone back into series for whatever is to become of whatever fast 10 is called. And I think they're doing two parts of it, I think, but, or, or at least I've read that somewhere. Maybe that's wrong now because of COVID, but um, yeah, you know, it's like everybody from the series is in some way back into the series. And like, they literally, everyone that is available that has been in these movies is basically in these movies in this movie, uh, probably with the exception of the rock and, you know, obviously Paul Walker, but, um, is Eva Mendes, uh, she is is not in this. Uh, I don't know if her, I can't remember if her character died. She was in fast Furious two, right? Too fast, too furious. Uh, yeah, she's in that one. I don't even remember what happened to that character. John Singleton's yeah, most important absolutely. film. Absolutely. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's. I, I liked it. I mean, you know, it's it's fun. It's big. It's it's my second movie I've seen in theaters, and it was a press screening, so there was like four people there, and it was in Dolby. Okay. So it was phenomenal in Look. Dolby. Yeah, it looked amazing, and uh, it sounded amazing, and it was awesome to see it on the big screen. So, I mean, it made a ton of money last weekend. So obviously, that's that's the what everybody wants to watch is a big movie like that, which will be interesting to see. You know, kind of how it holds over this weekend and what the rest of the summer box office looks like outside of the big mo- movies like this and Black Widow and, you know, but in all, all in all, I mean, you know, it's a Fast and Furious movie. It's not it's not the worst one of the series. It's probably in the back half for me. But, um, yeah, you know, Vin Diesel. That's all I'm saying. Vin Diesel. <laughs> Does he still love his life a quarter mile at a time? Always, man. Always. Oh, OK, that's exciting. If there's one thing you remember from this movie, from this series, it's that and or it's all about family. <laughs> Every time. It's all about family. And and that they uh, are talking about a crossover no, with the no, Jurassic no. series, right? They are. You're right. But oh, my God. <laughs> that would be a nightmare on Elm Street. Should they do that or Universal Monsters? Like what? what what's the better or worse? Neither. There? Neither. I don't know. But <clears throat> no. No, space is, is is this one? Do they actually go into space in this one? I guess you don't want to ruin that for it. I mean, that's, I'm not ruining the, anything. That's the it's word the, on the you, screen. You, it, it's in yeah. the trailer, And that's the word I in guess, space. You've seen the trailer. Oh, um, man, they go to but, space. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, so moving on to, um, <laughs> I think maybe the one movie that we all saw of the feature ones is, this is the most interesting test case for me, which wow. is why I was like, you guys got to watch this movie. We've got to talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the least, because we've talked a lot about, I've been so intrigued, like the logic of some of these acquisitions, sales, movies that were supposed to come out theatrically that got sold off. Mm. But we talked a lot about like how Paramount had been selling off a lot of their properties. You know, they sold off the Without Remorse, the Michael B. Jordan uh, film to Amazon, The Tomorrow War, which we'll talk about in a moment, to Amazon, Coming to America, you know, Borat. Like, they've sold all these movies to Amazon, but they kept one. They kept the Mark Wahlberg Infinite uh, to launch on their Paramount Plus streaming service without much fanfare. They didn't lo- they didn't release it when they launched the service. There was nothing really special about this release date, um, I guess, except for the fact that it was it was either the week of or the week before Fast and the Furious Nine coming out in theaters, which 
doesn't seem to make much sense for an action movie. Um, but yeah, this is, this is, um, this is, is it, is, it's Antoine Fuqua, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is infinite. Yeah. This movie was shot during the quarantine or during coronavirus. I know, or at least the majority of it was. And I only know that from watching wall street on HBO max, Mark Wahlberg's new documentary series. Um, that's why his performance probably, is so antiseptic. Probably. <laughs> um, oh my god! But somebody, somebody, talk about Infinite because this movie, for the one to be the, the one they kept, I guess, if you read the small print, fine print, that basically just reads the one they couldn't sell. Yeah. Um. You know, this right. movie is a fucking train wreck. Right. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard to watch. It's a stinker. Um. And there was something that I that John and I were talking about. All of us were talking about. And I ask, I'll try to mirror the sentiment. I mean, there is this, there's something to be said about the idea that you can get a script, right? That's weird and quirky and action packed. And it could be something like The Matrix or it could be something like this. Like you really don't know until something gets kind of put into film form sometimes how bad something is. Cause in theory, this is not a terrible idea. This is like people that can kind of time travel and uh, there's an organ. It kind of sounds like yes, the Eternals in a way. They're these, they're these, they're these infinite beings who've been around for a lot of history and they've had an influence on it. And there's, it also reminded mm. me of like Assassin's Creed or something like That's that, where it's like people kind of plugging themselves in or having like a life. It had a yeah. video game like feel to it because of the sort of right. rebooting the characters as it goes through. He uses reincarnation in a kind of uh, in a kind of video gamey yeah. way, I guess. That's about all I know about it. Beyond that point, it's yeah. really all I know. It's it is like Assassin's <laughs> Creed, but it is a it is a train wreck of a movie. Very hard to get through. I stopped it maybe like four or five times during the course of it. It just that's that's so funny you say that because like I feel like it's been a consistent response for people that i've talked to that have watched the movie that really? like and even myself a little bit like I, it was like maybe two times i kind of stopped and started it but almost everybody that i've talked to that's watched it, it's like either some variation on like it's hard to get through or i've like tried three times to finish it and i'm barely getting to the finish line but honestly i think or as i said this right. is yeah. fucking same, unwatchable the, yeah. <laughs> six and one half dozen the other same thing yeah. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, right. I mean, I think from the start, like, it's just like the movie, yeah, it's high concept. It's kind of an interesting idea in the least, but I think the biggest thing for me is like, right from the beginning of the movie, it's like immediately clear that he is so horribly miscast in this movie. He is miscast, man. Like, it's just like, it's like, they'll just put like, they just want him in everything or anything because of like, I yeah. guess his star, star power, quote unquote. But this is like one of those things, like, I think maybe one of us joked about it, maybe it was John, like the whole, like, how much shit he got about the happening, yeah. you know, like just the performance in that this, this movie just se seems like it feels like one of his worst that he's ever had uh, yeah. for sure. And I, I just, it's like, it's like one of those examples where you just like are in awe that like some, like when it gets made. They're like they're they're like watching these line readings and capturing these huge spectacle action sequences, and uh, and like trying to make them look good, and some of them look horrible in this movie. But the performances are just so bad, like across the board. But him especially, 
Yeah. Like yeah. the star of the movie, it is, it is, he is so miscast and so bad in this movie. Yeah. So, sometimes I feel like Hollywood still hasn't gotten past the stage where they have to hire people that are muscular or in the greatest shape in the world to have action. I mean, I, if I would take anybody that could act over somebody like Mark Wahlberg, if he's going to, I mean, I, yeah, if he's going to. So, so, okay. So one of the like things that. that was really pretty, somebody's going to bring this up when this, whenever this comes out is this man is supposed to have some mental health issues. Right. And his his interpretation of mental oh, health yeah. issues is like just kind of like putting his head over and touching his head and kind of going like that's called a headache. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so your schizophrenia uh, manifests itself as headaches, and that's it. And he's just an angry person. So there's no, there's no. He's supposed to be paranoid, schizophrenic, all these diagnosed things. But but Ronald, he also says I'd be drooling in a straitjacket or something like that. So it's like that's his view of it. But his imp- the impression they have of it is like this nineteen fifties <laughs> idea of like, you know, people that are on medication aren't these weirdos who have to go seek the medicine from some crazy drug lord. I mean, I know that this All is right. a fantasy scenario, but yeah, I thought the way the movie, I would not be surprised if I feel like if this movie got any yeah. cultural traction at all, one of the first things you would see would be people criticizing the sort of treatment, the kind of the the way it loops mental illness in no, when it doesn't really have to. You know, it makes it part of the story in a way it doesn't really have to. And and it does it in a way that feels very outdated, It's the reef of madness of <clears throat> mental health stuff. Like it, it really makes it feel like <laughs> yes, you're like, it is. Ah! like you're if you're Mark Wahlberg when you get when you have some mental health <laughs> issues, that's scary. Like you're just punching people square in the middle of their face. Like that's doesn't seem like it's 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 a lot more complex than that is all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how's I, yeah. I, also, I also felt like it's another example. And like, I think he's becoming like a poster uh, boy for this or whatever the right term is. Like when we talked about in the past, like whether it's filmmakers or actors that like kind of just do whatever they want when they're in a movie. Yes. Like I kind of feel like Antoine Fuqua is kind of like aligning himself in movies one, two back <clears throat> and even going one, two forward like with these huge stars that really drive the, the, the property. And it's like, oh. I don't, and it's like, I, I almost wonder if, you know, thinking about, you know, he did fast eight and fast eight was not that good. And I mean, <laughs> he's doing this and he's doing the new Will, Will Smith, like slave emancipation action thing that he's got going on. And Will Smith is like one of the biggest stars around and has that kind of reputation. Although he is a very good actor and I hope that's not the case, but I almost just wonder if like Mark Wahlberg is in one of these situations where like he does anything they ask him to do as long as he gets to do whatever he wants to do. And it it looks like that in this movie. It looks so phoned in and just like, he's just acting, literally acting like Mark Wahlberg. And there's no character in this film. Like there's no character development. There's nothing. Mm -hmm. Some other people in the movie are doing something interesting, but around the whole movie, it's just like a, it's just a mess. But I can't get over him. Like I can't get past it. It's Steve. There's it, no, there's no character in this film. I there's not. Of, <laughs> but getting, get, getting past the, getting past the, the opening seconds, the, the yeah, narration the right from oh the start God. is the flattest like line readings, and even the way he puts a little spin on certain lines when he's like and whatever he says where he's like 
the possibilities are infinite. Yeah. Infinite. It's like you can hear him trying to do it, but but I guess it is like both him yeah. trying and failing at something and as you said him clearly not giving a shit or at least not engaging with this with the fantasy of the material or anything like that. You know, like whatever's happening with this movie that someone could have saved and that 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 alternate universe version that you're talking about Ronald where like somehow this material yeah, yeah, became yeah. a good movie, you know, under like it got developed properly and you wouldn't have his right. performance in it. You yeah. may not have him anywhere near it, but the, definitely this is not the like charming lead performance that's going to make this extremely arcane mythology work. You know, once it, like every scene or so, they add yeah. some wrinkle to the mythology, um, and it does not help that some of the exposition that also kind of you need to know is delivered in this really wooden way by Sophie Cookson, who is about uh, who is I would say equally yeah. miscast or just incapable. <laughs> I hate to use these words, but this movie really did feel... I mean, I was wondering, like, what happened here? Like, how much money did they spend on this thing? How did this happen? And you're kind of talking about why this may have happened, Steve, that it's almost like a placeholder movie that just had to move forward, and it had Mark yep. Wahlberg attached, and it had, um, uh, uh, you know, Anto Antoine Fuqua attached in such a way that it's like, this movie's gonna happen, we need to shoot it, we've got this slot, we're gonna put this out, but nobody really feels like they care yeah. about this yeah. Yeah. at all. Like, this movie just does not feel like, even the visual style of it, and the effects, and the kind of fantasy that it does have in it, it's not something that feels visually developed. And I noticed this during a lot of the action scenes, where I was like, like, there's a scene where two vehicles kind of drive through an office building, and, and that kind of, you could have had fun with that sequence. That could have been cool and interesting, and, you know, there's a couple of shots where it's like, oh, some second unit director did put the camera in an interesting place, and for just a second, yeah. I felt something. Yeah, when, like, yeah. desks were flying everywhere. And then instantly, I was like, nothing, but nothing cool is happening here. And, and you know, Mark Wahlberg, yeah, like, I, we talked about this maybe last episode, but definitely recently, about, like, the, the love and hate relationship we have with him. This is, like, the worst movie to point to if you're trying to make a case that he's got any talent whatsoever, because, it, you know, phoning it in, um, you know, sounds generous in a way. But I, I, I don't know how you could have known how this thing would come off. I mean, is it better to kind of have the flop sweat of, of, of Chiwetel Ejiofor, who, like, is giving this his all, but still not able to create yeah. anything, yeah. I didn't think, uh, with this kind of generic villain that he's doing. Um, so, I, I, you know, I hope it doesn't dim his, yeah. <laughs> his luster in some way, because I love him. But, but well, you know, I, I feel like it should have been obvious on the page, but I think, yeah, we keep coming back to that point that you made ronald that yeah you wouldn't know you would think oh this kind of mythology yeah. this kind of lore it's big and it's a name director attached to it and it's like you said steve there's an actor who for whatever we want to say about Wahlberg, movies get made um you know his movies are open budgets get yeah. approved yeah. with him for some reason so um so it's it's but yeah it's it a real misfire, a misfire. get get mark Wahlberg out of here like he's what's gonna have to happen is you're gonna need like a you're gonna need somebody like I'd hate like Soderbergh or somebody that can like that'll or like what's his name um, Paul Thomas Anderson or or somebody that can yell at him somebody that's a prestige director that's like if you fuck up my movie you will right. never work here again because that's what it's gonna take because he destroys movies at this point he is poison to me that's. As that's some actor. of his best stuff that he's done, though. If you think about what you're saying, like that's some of his best stuff. You're yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, stuff yeah, with yeah. Scorsese, with David O. Russell. You know, like yeah. those are right. his best performances. Point. 
like period like that's no question hands down and it's because like he's in their movie someone's not making his movie yes and that's kind of what it feels like that these movies are becoming even the peter berg movies that he's done on netflix which are kind of you know we're better than this for sure but still kind of hover in that area of like it's just him being mark Wahlberg. like i don't know it's weird all right well that's infinite on paramount plus yeah uh not recommended by anyone here but if you're absolutely out of options still don't watch it <laughs> um but yeah the, the feature review, we'll, we'll get into a little bit now um this is the other side of not in terms of quality i guess we'll we'll get into that but the other side of that conversation with the paramount sell-off so this is another title they sold to amazon this is their big movie that they announced as opening you know fourth of july weekend which was interesting back when Top Gun Maverick was still possibly coming out in theaters, which is also a Paramount title mm-hmm. that ended up getting pushed back to the holiday season of this year. But so, yeah, they sell the Tomorrow War to Amazon Prime. It's coming out today on Amazon. If you have the streaming service, you can find it. This is a big sci- another big sci-fi action movie mm-hmm. um, starring Chris Pratt. Uh, who else is in this? Um, Sam Richardson. Sam, oh God, I love Sam Richardson Sam so much. Richardson, man. Um, yeah. Um, J.K. Simmons, um, Betty Gilpin. Um, yeah, there's a. Yeah, Von Strahovski. Yep, yep, yep. She's in it as well. Um, but the, the synopsis of this is basically, you know, in the year 2022, something happens where people from the future come back to the present to warn humankind about like a eventual war with these alien creatures that is threatening to wipe out humanity and the the world as we know it and basically opening a draft to send people into the future to fight these things to try to prevent that from happening um and chris pratt's character stars as you know a father a scientist a high school biology teacher or science teacher who beget, who gets drafted and becomes a part of this whole Tomorrow War uh, effort. And uh, the movie kind of just goes from there. But I mean, this is a pretty big movie, uh, you know, probably bigger than any of the movies that we've talked about in terms of the sell-off uh, that have gone to streaming services. Um, now, you didn't get to watch it, right, John? Right, okay, so there's really... Right, I was... Uh, I. I, I misunderstood the instructions okay. for the screener, frankly. So it's so it there's was, not it really much bad. in terms of spoilers yeah. for it, but I mean, I guess in general, Ronald, initial thoughts. What did you think? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Let's just start there. So I guess one of the things is like you know, with with a big budget film like this, you're either on board or you aren't, and you know, it just kind of goes on a journey of crazy. And <laughs> the problem is, I just saw Infinite before that. <laughs> and you know, and then I saw this, so I was like, "Holy shit! This movie is is the best motion picture I've ever seen in my human existence." Here's the Oscar, <laughs> <laughs> right? So then I calmed down a little bit, but it is it's a fun movie, man. It's a fun movie with some cool time travel stuff. That I mean, you know, one of the things that that makes this movie a little weirder too is like because the draft it, it because aliens are killing people at the rate that they're killing people civilians have to go back so like the 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 draft is a lot more random than just you know the normal draft they're just picking right. people a thousand people every week to go back to fight these aliens and there's a 20 percent 
survival rate. Um, it's a fun movie to me. I, you know, I, I had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And I was not expecting to. I think because I was just like, I don't know, man. Like, I think sci-fi sometimes can be an excuse to just write a shitty script. And but while this wasn't a perfect script, it's fun enough that I could sit this in front of somebody 12 and over and they would enjoy it enough. You know, it just, it just, it mm-hmm. was fun enough. You know, it was aliens. It was Chris Pratt being great. Sam Richardson being funny. You know, it's, it, it worked for me. It worked for me. The creatures yeah, look kind of, kind of cool and creepy. I, I, I got a good look at them. Yeah. Steve, would you yeah, they're called, they're, they're, they're called kind of, white kind of pale and gross white spikes all oh, because of the ooh, white spikes yeah um, those spikes were crazy so it's, it's a really cool creature design I, and i do think that the creature reveal when you're with his little group of civilian soldiers when they yes. go into the future for the first time and you know they're kind of in this stairwell and you kind of first get to see these things that these future soldiers have been talking about for a bit mm-hmm. in the movie um that that is a really cool sequence and a lot of the a lot of the creature design sequences are are really good um i i like this too like i thought i thought it was yeah i mean i did i i was ben- i i guess benefited from not watching it right after infinite but uh <laughs> i i, I kind of think that like my big criticism with it is like it, it kind of falls into a lot of the same things we've been talking about recently is like the movie i think is just too long and you it's know it's like shit. two hours and 20 minutes it is so and, long and a lot of what feels too long in the movie are just a number of scenes that just go on for far too long. Yeah. Like there's a I lot of fight that. sequences. There's a lot of like just talk scenes like with father, daughter, father, wife, like there's a lot of things that just go on, like kind of really trying to really get that pathos going in the movie that just like lasts too long for me. Yeah. And I think a lot of what Chris Pratt is really good at is getting that stuff quickly. Like he's got a lot of charisma He's got the charm. He's got some emotion in the way he talks to his daughter in the movie. I just feel like some of those scenes just sit in that moment too long that it kind of turned on where I kind of got like annoyed by that. that. And like he, and then it almost becomes like, Oh, this is too much. Or there's too much acting happening right now. (laughs) Um, I agree. But as an idea, I think the movie is pretty awesome. Like I like the idea, you know, it's kind of got this like Terminator, uh, yeah. future war, uh, crisscross timelines, characters, future versions of characters. Like it's got this cool thing going where uh, a lot of that works. And I think it's a smart move to have someone like Sam Richardson, who in the scenes that he's in is just like pulling the movie out from everybody in the scene with him. Like he's yeah. so good. He's so funny. And even when he's not being funny, he's so good. Like he's, yeah. he, he kind of balances it really good. He's like a, so another another scientist i think in you know in the movie um but he's kind of a coward in ways but it, it plays really well um but yeah i don't know i mean this is definitely something worth watching like i feel like my like i said the length you know kind of sitting too long in sequences and i think that goes also to hurt the movie in ways especially like in the effects heavy sequences yeah when you can get in there and out real quick i feel like when the effects are good like you don't even think about it being an effect but like when they're in these long sequences and you are seeing these creatures a lot, a lot, a lot, and all parts of them in different it's si- settings. It's sitting on top of to- the, the screen. Yes. Like it's sitting yes. on top of the, like you see the film you, and then you see the monster on top of it. You're like, this you is. You start to, 
you start to really dissect it. And like, yeah. there's even like the finale of the movie where, you know, they're in, it's in the, it's in the trailer. I think like they're in this snowy, you know, locale, like this real world setting, like, mm. because it's in that sequence for like 10 to 15 minutes, there's only so much geography we're covering in this sequence, you know? Yeah. And it just, you really start to see the seams of like, just reusing stuff in the scene, you know, or yeah. reusing shots or like composites and things like that. Especially when you're talking so much CG. But, I mean, that's if I'm going to kind of criticize it for a lot of the movie. I think it's, you know, like you said, Ronald, it's entertaining. Like, you know, it's like, it's probably one of the, I think probably one of the better, one of the better of the Paramount titles to go out to streamers or that they kept, you know, anything that they've kind of released. Right. It's a little more down the middle. Like you said, like I could probably show this to 10 people and probably eight of them would really like this movie. Hell yeah. You know, it, it kind of is like a, a mass appeal and, and, you know, people like Chris Pratt, I'm still, I'm still kind of in the middle on Chris Pratt. Like I really like him, I get but that. there are certain sequences in the movie where he's kind of going for that hero shot, that hero look, that hero line too much um like or he's overdoing it a little bit um but there's enough of the best parts of him in this movie that i think it outweighs it i think you know like you, you really want some of the the comedy that he has like the comedic timing that he has and you know like little one-off conversations he has <laughs> with characters that are funny that kind of yeah. humanize him a little more but yeah, i don't know tomorrow war was, was fun it was, was fun. fun man there were weird things that they didn't play out as much so like one of the big reveals is why i guess why they send certain people back in uh, or to the future mm. right? right they said it one time to him and then they never said it to anybody else so you really don't understand why I, it would have been cool if they would have talked about that a little more because that's a huge thing to hear before you go to fight like it you know what you, you know what i'm talking about steve yeah, and they use like newscasts and like political press conferences, yeah, like yeah. As, as a as a device to explain a lot of what's happening quickly. Yeah, yes. which is effective. It's but that really is cool. an interesting. That's an interesting part of what they decided to not have a part of that, but just that have a character be... just drop in passing in a conversation. Look, if that would be the talk of every person that was going to war. Right. Is is the idea that you would find out a vital piece of information about your life. You'd be like, oh, that's, oh my God. Like, two characters yeah. know it, and they don't really talk about it past that. Oh, by the way, that character was really good. Uh, Aldous Hodge's brother, Edwin Hodge. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was great. He's that, great. Man. He was really I've, good. I have never seen him in anything else. For uh, anybody that doesn't know, Aldous Hodge was in uh, the Amazon film... One night in Miami, he played. Uh, oh God, why can't I remember anything? He was in. He was in One Night in Miami. Incredible in that movie. But his brother plays in this film, um, and was really good at it. Wasn't he also in? Was that him in The Invisible Man? That was. That's Aldis. Aldis. Yeah. Yeah. Aldis. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and his brother was. Yes, he was. Yes, he was the cop. I'm so yeah. sorry because I confused the brothers. Now, now that I've seen his okay. little brother, I I'm, I now see his brother in all these movies instead of him because they look kind of the same except Edwin's a little shorter. He is, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. He's a little shorter, but this was a solid movie, man. I'd suggest that this is a fun film that you can get into. Um, lots of explosions, lots of lots of people dying. 
the one shot where he like it's in the last 20 minutes of the movie i guess uh it's in the trailer also i believe but there's a shot where there's like it's a wide shot where someone's falling he's jumping after them the creatures underneath of them and it, the world is exploding like that shot is awesome so that looked cool as shit and uh oh, i don't know what it reminded me of i feel like it reminded me of another movie maybe like a world war z or something but it looked really cool but yeah, yeah i don't know I, i'd recommend the tomorrow war it's it's a fun action movie you know chris pratt's now a son-in-law to arnold schwarzenegger so this is kind of like this feels like an arnold kind of movie you know what i mean <laughs> like like uh when Arnold was on his action run, like it'll have its fans and it'll have the people beating a drum for it. So maybe he got a couple, uh, and you know, Terminator, there you go. Uh, maybe he got some tips from the, from, from the man. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about Chris Pratt because not having seen the movie, mm -hmm. but having seen the trailer, I did sort of slate it in my head as like, it's one of those movies where Chris Pratt looks like he's too, made up or yep. the way he's lit or something and it's just too slick and there's a cheese factor or something and he does he is like a talented actor who kind of hits those lines sometimes too hard when he's trying to do something calculated and it made me think of the way that when Jim Carrey is doing something a little bit more serious how he's he's got that comedic like there's so much mm. control over everything that it does sometimes feel a little contrived compared to how alive those guys yes. can feel in a more comic You're moment. Right. I mean, I still think is is it any mist is it any mystery that like Chris Pratt, uh, his his generally best work is like either on Parks and Rec, where it was he was schlubby and it was kind of rough around the edges. His character even was kind of messy and had that improv. Like you hear all these stories about him improvising yeah. a lot of those lines. So clearly he was kind of tapping into something. But the the show wasn't slowing down right. to make him look cool. It was doing the opposite, in fact. And then the other best work he does right is yeah. James Gunn directing sure. him, and James Gunn is not going to have a beefcake hero that isn't being undercut in some way. And so, you know, James Gunn kind of does that work for Chris Pratt of like, you you can be even kind of handsome or whatever, and we'll I'll let the movie do the job of, of like knocking you down a peg so that it never seems like you're preening for the camera or like yeah. you're milking a line like that. So I, I don't know. I just think that there's something about him. You know, when you said all that, Steve, I was like, I haven't seen this, obviously, <clears throat> but even in the trailer, I thought, oh, this looks like kind of him in Jurassic World mode where it's going to be, you know, a competent action performance, but not really to me, feel like it has that life in it that yeah. makes you just go, okay, this person is a great action star, or even this person is a great, is a great actor. Um, but I, I've loved, I've loved Chris Pratt in a couple, three things. So I do believe, I mean, the guy's got some, you know, he's Absolutely. got that spark for sure, but I don't know, maybe he's, maybe some people, I don't know. It might be down to the production value of the movie or something. I don't know. Like it needs to be a little more self-aware yeah. or something. I mean, you're, uh, you're spot on. I mean, that, that is my, that is my gripe. If anything with, you know, with his performance or with him in this movie, it's, it's that it just seems like it's almost like there's two, it's like you want to know that that's a movie star, but like, you don't want to be told it's a movie star, like, or something, yes. you know, in the performance oh, and like man. every shot yeah. he's in, you're, you're to know, like this is a fucking action movie star. Like yeah. he's got, he's got the wide shot. They're shooting up on him. He looks tall compared to everybody. You know, mm -hmm. every shot. Like you don't see anybody else taking their shirts off to get this thing installed. But he's got his shirt off the whole scene. You know, and it's just like, I'm all about like, you know, he looks mm -hmm. amazing. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah, my, my man yeah. is like killing it. But yeah. 
No, no one's complaining about about uh, right. nice oily muscles. We, we're 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 pro Two we're gums. pro yeah. uh, bodies Absolutely. here on uh, body it's positive. Just, yeah, it's just it's just I think body pros. Like you want you want to you you want to recognize yeah. body pros. Like a movie star. You don't want to be like told the entire movie like you need to know this guy right here. Yeah. That's a perfect way to yeah. say it, Steve. That's honestly it. It's like you you want you want to realize that watching which, the movie, not be constantly which like, you do in nudged. Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Like you can't deny it. Like yeah. it's all mm-hmm. over the place, and you walk out of it like, God damn, that's a movie star. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know that he's captured mm-hmm. that since then. You know that we talked about that, but this is this is fun. Again, I think Ronald, like we're we're, we're both recommending. Yeah, no, I want to see it. It, it, it sounds really um, fun. The, the, the creatures are really quite cool and creepy and scary looking. Um, but yeah, that's on Amazon Prime right now. As this pod- podcast comes out, if you have that, which a lot of people have Amazon Prime, it's like number two behind Netflix. If you got it, check it out. Check it out. <laughs> um, what else? I think that's it, man. That's a lot. That's a whole lot of stuff, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any I loose do, stuff uh, you've been watching? Uh, any any random loose stuff? stuff? Loose stuff. Any loose stool? Any Luca stuff? Yeah. Oh, that Luca was so good, man. Or has watched? Anybody seen Luca? I have not seen Luca yet. What do you? I, well, you see my Luca daughter's see? seen it like seven times, but I haven't <laughs> watched it all, all all the way through myself yet. What did you guys think of it? I loved it, man. I loved it. It's to me, um, it's kind of, Pixar's kind of hit this stride, man. This this feels like I, I I never thought I'd ever say this. This was like the most mature pixar film that i've seen in terms of like uh i know that a lot of them were like this is how emotions work this is how this works they didn't have to do this with that this was like friends shit gets complicated and this is how it could get complicated especially if you get into a situation where you're trying to be accepted and you want to go to a new world and a new environment I think that this is the best approach, you know, for every for every one that they deal with, like emotions and senses and death and, you know, going to heaven. They should have one like this one that's a little more. This is weird that it it deals with a sea monster, but it's the most grounded in its relationships. I really felt it, man. Like I I hadn't seen anything in a while. I was like, damn, man, like I felt that feeling before. Yeah, for real. Like I have it. Like this wasn't like a distant thing. It felt very close to the heart. So I don't know. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was. It was more of a. I think you're right, Ronald. I might not have even pinpointed that. It's. It's got a little bit of that Pixar kind of. It's an odd, yeah. oddly shaped story in some ways. And that, like, if you put like, when does the movie reach what you might call the second act, or when does it get to its prime conflict? Pixar movies can often have funny structures where that's concerned. And sometimes you have a movie like Up, where it 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 this part of the movie that people talk about isn't even the part of the movie that's the main plot. Or we talked about it almost as a negative with The Good Dinosaur, where it just feels like th- it's a story, but it 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 doesn't feel like it cohered, you know, yeah. as as well as they can. And I think you're right, Ronald. I hadn't really put my finger on it, but this one does have like a good, clean narrative. I do think the fantasy world of it, it doesn't seem, 
From the outset, this movie didn't seem that engrossing to me, either in its look or its story. I just kind of trusted that it was Pixar, and once I let myself kind of sink into what it was trying to do, I do think it's really visually pleasing. There were a couple times today when I was watching it where I paused it, and the image on the screen was just so bright. Like, I would return to the screen, and it would strike Mm. me as, oh, this is so bright. These colors are so bold and vivid. I didn't notice it as much while watching the movie, because you're just kind of watching moving images. But a freeze frame really did make me think, oh, that sky is like, what, like super blue and, and bright. And I've heard this referred to as kind of their Miyazaki movie. And I do think visually, there are some things that seem like they might be nods to it. But, you know, Pixar has this thing where they take joy in the physicality of the world and the textures and the light and everything. And this, yeah, this looked great on the screen. And, um, you know, it's not like we need to talk about resolution or pixels, but this, it does seem like Pixar is a company that's going to make the, take full advantage of like, giving you as much detail and nuanced detail as they can and letting you see all of that. And this movie, I I was just staring at the screen. Um, And it's got some funny moments. And I think you're right, Ronald. I think in the long run, we might revisit our sort of Pixar ranking episode and include some of the more recent Pixar movies because, you know, I I, I do sort of have... I have... I can't help but think, like, how does this fit in with these classics we've talked about by this company? Um, And you might sort of not appreciate a new Pixar movie that doesn't have that huge hook you're talking about to it, like, this is about your emotions or whatever. This is about death. This is more a story about characters, but it does feel like it's relating to something about, like, embracing a new identity or or coming out in a way uh, of who as who you really are or exploring a new identity, discovering something you want to be and telling the world this is who I am. I don't know. There's there's something going on here that that really did tug at the heartstrings, but it you're right. It worked best as like a a, a fable, a fairy tale, um, in a sense, um, and is yeah, beautiful to look at. So I'll yeah, be interested right. to see what yeah, you think. Check Steve. it out. All right, that's gonna do it, huh? We good? No, that's um, a whole lot. I think so. Did you guys watch any random things? That, that's it. I'm guessing that you did. Yes, man. Just let me mention these three things. I promise, <laughs> man, because I want to <laughs> tuck these things away. Okay, Apple TV. Apple TV. Okay, three things. See. Oh my God. Takes a little while to fall into it, but when you do, Jesus Christ, this thing is like on Game of Thrones first and second season level tension. It's so fucking good. I'm ready for season two. They just announced that Dave Batista is going to be the villain. Get the fuck out of here. Batista yes. and Momoa? Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. He's I mean, his I'm brother. interested in that. Okay. okay. All right. Next one. Uh, no, I mean, honestly, I, I, that, pretty sounds, cool, that sounds man. pretty interesting uh, to me. <laughs> a Quiet Place 2 finally saw that. Good, man. It, it you know it it wasn't it wasn't yeah. the first one but it was incredibly close to being of quality the first one man the first one was kind of do you know what I mean about getting to the end yeah. and you see what it was all about yeah. and it, what it was really leading up to this moment of like this what, almost what like, a kick in the balls man yeah. like you know it seems like things are gonna be one way and then they just turn <laughs> it's so well done I like that mm-hmm. and then um. A suggestion. So I think probably every week I'm going to try to do this. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to watch more Blu-rays because 4K Ultra HD stuff has just gotten really cool. The Willy Wonka 50th anniversary restore. Jesus Christ. If you want to do yourself a favor, rent it. You can rent it because the restore is going to be, it's, it, you know, they're kind of distributing it 
on all the streaming services. Um, I'd suggest maybe Voodoo mm-hmm. or Apple if you you know if you have access to it. That restore is gorgeous. You can see every bit. You can see the threads on Willy Wonka's jacket. You can see the text behind people that's like feet twenty feet away. Like it is clear on a level that I just have never seen, and the sound is mixed incredibly. So Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory fiftieth anniversary four K restore. Jesus Christ. Those are the three, man. Love it. Love it. All right. He did it in three. Man of your word. Mm. You sure there's not a fourth? No, no. That's it. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, that's going to wrap up episode 305. Uh, Moviesmovie.com is the site. You know, you can kind of use it as a landing page to find us on any of the the podcast platforms that are out in the world. Um, if the one that you choose to listen to us through um, has an option for you to review or rate the podcast or even share it, the little share button that has like a little square with an up arrow almost in every app, mm-hmm. you could maybe text mm-hmm. it, send it to a friend, a family member, somebody who enjoys movies as much as you do. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Next week. I mean, hopefully, like I said earlier, like this Fear Street thing on Netflix, it's been getting a lot of buzz and it looks really good. And I uh, like that it's like rated R and it's like apparently very rated R. And, uh, you know, it's a really interesting model to go, you know, a three movie type anthology uh, that's, you know, all in the same story of this little town that's apparently cursed. And one each week, Netflix is just at that level where they can just do this. And I'm really interested to see how they play out as a one, two, three. And specifically the first one that's coming out the day that this podcast drops is it, is, is reportedly basically like a, uh, a 90s slasher movie, which just is... Sounds perfect. Wow. Um, so hopefully we can talk about that next week for sure. Um, I got nothing else, man. Do you guys want to say anything else before we get out of here? No, I think that's it for me. All right, cool. I, I just want to mention that Marvel Schmarvel is taking a little break this week. Uh, just like this show took a break last week, and so did Marvel Schmarvel. But our spinoff where we cover uh, Loki episode by episode, we're taking a little break. We'll be back next week to cover episodes three, four, and five uh, of of the first season of Loki or of whatever Loki is. They've they've said it might have a second season. But yeah, we, we've we've missed a couple weeks here, but we're we're all we're, we're kind of ramping back up. So next week, Marvel Schmarvel will be back uh, exclusively on YouTube. But as for now, you just have to sit there and sit on all your. Um, all your Loki observations that you want to shout at us while we're saying our idiot. <laughs> you got to just kind of bear with us as we try to get them back into the main TVA timeline, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. We've got yeah, all right, these, we got to all right. We got to fracture it off. Prune so some timelines. So just bear with us. Hell yeah, give uh, us some time, man. Cool. All right, man. Good seeing you guys, and uh, always <laughs> love chatting with you about this stuff. And uh, as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.